All right, welcome back to the Biased Opinion Podcast. I'm here with PJ. We got a big episode. Uh, we're gonna this year. We're changing up our uh, normal fantasy football preview. Uh, we're doing a little different than we have in years past. Uh, rather than kind of just talk about our opinions, uh, we're going to have a media day type setup here uh, with members of our dynasty fantasy football league that we're in. That was. Uh, Started by my brother, Finn, he's the comic, so mostly his friends, but me, PJ, and a few others are in. It's a good group. Uh, we're in year three. Uh, just so people understand uh, what it is kind of we're talking about here. I know that majority of the audience is just going to be members of the league that are going to care about the most, but there'll be some fantasy talk and some analysis of players uh, mixed in as well. Uh, and some fun comments made and uh, some couple quote machines were handed a mic. So it's it's a good episode, but... Um, it's a 10 team league, uh, 10 man starting lineups, uh, two QBs. Well, I guess it's super flex, but it's pretty much a two QB, two running back, three wide receiver, two flex and one tight end, uh, is the starting lineup. And then it's a pretty huge bench. Um, and dynasty league, you keep your entire roster every year. Uh, it started with a big draft where it kind of just 10 guys picking players, uh, to build their team around. Uh, none of us really knew what we were doing. Uh, when we started three years ago. And then every year there is a five-round rookie draft uh, where you can draft rookies to supplement your team. Um, Although those picks are tradable, uh, and there is plenty of trades in this league and uh, plenty of drama and excitement. So, uh, yeah, we're entering year three of this league. There's been some crazy ups and downs from different teams that we're going to talk about. me and PJ are pretty much on complete opposite sides of the spectrum, and we have been since year one, uh, and it flip-flopped after the first year. So, yeah, PJ, you can get us started about, on that. Um, pretty uh, pretty, pretty wild stuff uh, out of your franchise the last two years. Yeah, so we uh, interview later on in a few minutes six other franchises, which I'll bring different perspectives. So uh, I'll actually talk about your team first. Uh, James's team came in last the first year, but then – through a great rebuilding process, some great trades. Uh, your team, yeah, it's pretty loaded. Just all the best players in the league kind of on Champs' team, so I'm not going to name the whole team, but Josh Allen, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Smith, Justin Herbert. Uh, yeah, you can Chris, – Christian McCaffrey, if you have any other names you want to throw out when you when you speak next, go for it. Uh, I won the uh, league uh, the first year with a pretty average team. We, we had a very middle-of-the-road team, but – Performed when it mattered. We came in second in the regular season with a record of nine and five. Uh, got a bye week in the first round of the playoffs, which we definitely would have lost if we didn't get a bye week. Uh, the second the second round, we played a team that was much better than us, but they fell felt they had a terrible game, and we just snuck by. And then the championship game, we had a lot of players kind of overperform. Uh, won the championship year one, uh, and that was good to get the banner and, under our belt. And then. Once Seamus kind of turned his team around and built a pretty big juggernaut, we kind of saw that we weren't going to really be competing at the top for much longer. We probably would have had a decent chance to make the playoffs every single year, but I just thought it'd be fun to kind of change it up, try a different strategy. Not totally convinced it's going to work, so I kind of traded every single player uh, for draft picks, and I'm not really looking to trade any of those draft picks right now for players for at least another two, maybe even three years. So right now the team consists of uh, Trevor Lawrence, Jordan Love, uh, we do need Jordan Love to have a big year at quarterback. Uh, that's going to be a big key to our team. Our team name is Air Jordan. We took Jordan Love, I think maybe the eighth or ninth round of the uh, real draft. 
Uh, so we were kind of always looking towards the future of that draft pick, and now it's kind of cool to see uh, Jordan get uh, snaps as the Packers' starting quarterback. We drafted uh, Bijan Robinson and Jackson Smith and Jigba in the first round with a bunch of other uh, random rookie players, which I'm not going to waste your time with. But next year we have eight first-round draft picks, uh, one second-round draft pick. So we have nine players coming in next year. So the plan is to see how next year goes and then try and add NFL talent onto our uh, young core. So last year we came in last, or maybe even second to last, the 2-12 and record. Probably looking at the same this year, but uh, the future's looking bright, and hopefully this will be the last time we have to redo this, uh, reset this team. But I think we got a lot of great trade value for some of our players. Like Tom Brady, we traded for like five picks or something. So I think we had some good trades. Uh, excited about the future. Last year, does you know, you're going to talk about it, but you, know, you never want to see anybody get injured or have their life on the line. But last year's no championship award, which we'll get to. The commission will make an official ruling on that. Uh, I kinda, I'm kind of the only league champion in this. So last year, if there was a year to tank, it would have been last year when there's no champion awarded. So it was an unfortunate situation. Nobody wanted to see that game end. I mean, I'm a sports fan first and foremost, and I wanted to see Josh Allen and Joe Burrow kind of go up and down the field. But once that ended... I was kind of, I'm still kind of the defending champ, whether people want to hear or not. I'm kind of the only champ, so, and I think uh, we'll have multiple championships in our future once we see these kind of rookie classes pan out. And I'm uh, very excited for the future. Uh, I think Seamus will will get it done this year. I think it's kind of championship or bust for his franchise. Maybe even the next year after that, but I think we can have a little uh, rivalry going on uh, three, four, five, six years down the line. Yeah, that was a great rundown of our. Uh your team and our, both of our teams, really. I I guess to quickly talk about my team, year one on the this, uh, the, the draft uh, that started the league, uh, I got Justin Jefferson and A.J. Brown with my first two picks. Uh, and then in the rookie draft that we had in year one, I got Justin Fields. And I think from the start, I kind of envisioned a little big three there forming. Um, and then year one, I also in the, the original draft, I drafted Deshaun Watson. And I kind of envisioned uh, – Justin Fields and Deshaun Watson kind of being the star duo uh, with my star wide receiver duo. And I kind of abandoned running back uh, in year one, um, just went all in on some QBs that I thought had a pretty high ceiling and uh, some stud wide receivers. I also drafted Michael Pittman. And, uh, no, I didn't actually. I, I drafted Terry McLaurin. I don't know. I, a lot of these guys are gone now, but um, – had a really bad draft pick of Allen Robinson as well. Uh, TJ Hawkinson. I had a lot of, but I did have a decent amount of young guys that just struggled that season. Uh, and I think week two or three, I realized it wasn't going to happen. One, because uh, uh, Deshaun Watson soon after the draft ended up getting suspended for the whole season or sitting out or whatever happened there. Uh, and then Justin Fields was just horrific as a rookie. Um, like not even remotely usable in fantasy. And outside of that, I didn't really have any many QB options. So that was a disaster number one. Uh, and then disaster number two was uh, A.J. Brown had a horrible season his last year in Tennessee. Uh, so that was a huge bust for me. Uh, and then Allen Robinson, that was the year that he just was a complete bust in Chicago. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson did nothing, really. Uh, Terry McLaurin. So week three, I pretty much punted on the season. Um, well, it was year one. Nobody really knew what everyone was doing. Uh, and I think the other nine teams were all pretty convinced that they were competing for a title. Uh, so that gave me a little bit of an edge. And I turned Terry McLaurin into Travis Etienne, Devontae Smith, Mac Jones, and maybe a second round pick or something was thrown in there. Uh, and then I ended up flipping uh, 
Etienne was hurt at the time. I just threw him on IR. Devonta Smith hadn't really done anything as a rookie, although it was really very early into his career, and the team wasn't that good. Um, and then other trades that I made that year, I had uh, Daryl Henderson of the Rams, who was the starter at the time when Cam Akers got hurt. And I flipped Daryl Henderson for a first-round pick that became the second overall pick in that draft. Uh, and that ended up turning into this huge blockbuster trade that I made for Josh Allen, which kind of is where my franchise started to turn around. Uh, and then after I got Josh Allen, I kind of started to add some complimentary pieces, I guess. Uh, and I had built up a good draft pick stash uh, when I was tanking. While everyone else out there were competing, I was just selling these guys that I wasn't super high on that were just kind of sitting on my bench um, for some picks and turning those picks into better picks or good young players. Uh, and it was kind of pretty much the only one who really punted to the next season, um, which gave me a uh, a huge advantage, I thought, uh, and PJ kind of did the inverse of that uh, this last year uh, where he was the only one with kind of the vision to stack the first-round draft picks, and it gave him a big advantage. But um, last year I had, uh, obviously, A.J. Brown bounce back in a huge way. Justin Jefferson, I traded for Pittman. Uh, I traded for a bunch of running backs, which was a bit of – honestly, it was good, but it was a bit of a problem, I thought, for my team down the stretch because I didn't really know who to start. I had like 12 different options that were all kind of in the 15 to 25 range at running back. Um, but yeah, I had Josh Allen. Justin Fields uh, was a stud for me last year. Uh, he bounced back in a big way. I picked up Aaron Rodgers as my third QB. I still do have Deshaun Watson in the squad. Um, but yeah, I, I had a good team last year. It ended in disappointment. Um, I, I, I'm not going to go around claiming a championship the way that it ended. Uh, I'm perfectly fine with the fact that there is no champion uh, this past season because really the two best players in the game never actually played. Uh, there was like one drive and obviously terrible ending to that game uh, on, on the real life side of things. And uh, fantasy kind of got thrown out the window at that point. So uh, we moved on. We're on tonight this season and uh, we took a really great team. I thought probably, I think it was the most wins of any team uh, through two years um, was my squad that I rolled out last season, highest scoring. I had all the scoring records and whatnot, and we made some big-time blockbuster deals because I just – I wasn't super happy with where my team sat, uh, especially in the running back room. I had a lot of B players, and I wanted some – to consolidate that a little bit, and I wanted to get a little younger. And uh, so I swung some trades. I got rid of ETN. A uh, bunch of draft picks, Mixon, Miles Sanders, all gone. Uh, Alexander Madison gone, and I got Christian McCaffrey uh, and Jonathan Taylor, which Taylor already backfiring on me. Uh, he's out for the first four games, but McCaffrey I'm excited to have on my squad. Uh, he significantly outperformed any running back that I had on my team last year every single week. Um, so I think that will help me take this team to another level, uh, and I'm still confident in the guys I, I still have a bunch of B-level guys that I haven't gotten rid of yet and haven't been able to consolidate that I'm going to pair with him until uh, Alvin Kamara maybe gets back from his suspension or Jonathan Taylor uh, gets traded or comes back and plays for the Colts the rest of the year. Uh, and then I trade. I made some big trades. I made. I traded for Tyree Kill at the end of last season. Uh, this summer I traded for Stephon Diggs and Cooper Cup. Uh, and I traded Justin Fields for Justin Herbert uh, pretty much. Um, so, yeah, I added a lot of vet pieces. I'm – I really like Herbert this year with the new OC. I think he'll uh, air it out a lot more down the field. Uh, added a first-round wide receiver, too. 
Um, and Fields, as much as I love him, I, he's one of my favorite players, uh, college football, NFL, in the last five years probably. He's definitely in the short list of my favorite player in football. Uh, but I, the way he plays, I'm worried about his longevity. I'm worried about his durability. And I'm worried about him being the Bears quarterback, whereas Herbert, kind of much more of a stereotypical pocket passer with a big arm, um, that I'm probably more confident in being a safe asset long term. Uh, I will say I also have Travis Kelsey on my team, who I traded for last season. I traded, got him for pretty cheap because he's older, but he was dominant last year and was a huge part of why my team wins. But I guess the one thing I'll say about my team is the injury and suspension bug is hit already which for, on one hand, I'm happy that it's happening now and not in December. But it is a little bit concerning when Kamara is out for three weeks, Jonathan Taylor is out four weeks, maybe more. Who knows really what's going on there? Uh, I think he'll be back just because of contract reasons, but uh, you never know, I guess. Cooper Cup got hurt in practice. He'll probably be out one or two weeks. And Travis Kelsey just got hurt today. I uh, hurt his knee, and it's anywhere between he's going to be back in two days to he'll be back in four weeks. So... Um, my team is definitely one of the older teams just cause I kind of went all in on a championship this year. I didn't really want to wait around for PJ's draft picks to all pan out and then it's going to be too late for me. So I figured my windows right now, why not just go all in? Um, but the older players are coming back to bite me a little bit because they seem to be unable to stay on the field, uh, throughout training camp and preseason at least. So, uh, and McCaffrey, Obviously, has a history there. Tyree Kill had some legal trouble this summer. Stefan Diggs was had some weird practices he was missing. So um, I do have a lot of depth. Uh, I built that this team with a lot of depth intentionally in case this would happen. But it's a little bit concerning. I think that's really going to be, if I have a downfall this year, it's going to be because of the whole team just starts to get hurt and falls apart. I, I think there's too much talent to fail outside of injuries getting the best of me. Yeah, so my uh, only question for you would be, who do you think your uh, biggest competitors are this year for the title? Who are you most afraid of, if anybody? Um, I think, looking at all the rosters, I think uh, one team that has a really high uh, ceiling, I think, is C. John, if he trades for QB. He doesn't have a lot of depth, especially at running back and QB. But uh, if C. John can swing a trade for a Lamar Jackson of the world, and he stays healthy until playoffs, I think he'll be scoring some pretty high point totals. Catch me on a down week. Um, I think he'll have that upside. Uh, and then I think uh, Mike got a lot better this offseason. I mean, he had some great players, and me and him made a ton of trades because I wanted to consolidate a little bit. He wanted to kind of spread the wealth on his team. Uh, but I think – I mean, I like a lot of the players that I had that he has now um, – by they're on my team for a reason. So I think Mike has a pretty good team. Uh, uh, he He's consistently won in this league. So I think Mike's a threat. Uh, but he uh, has a good team, but I think he kind of peaked last year. And I think a lot of his guys are on. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't really see what he did last year replicating itself. I think Amon Ra takes a step back rather than a step forward. Uh, he's, probably just as old as my team and uh he's getting a little banged up too but he doesn't have as much depth so i don't know if you'd be able to kind of withstand a couple injuries to that starting lineup either 
Although I will say his running back room is good, but I, I don't see Eckler replicating what he's done the last two years either. So I'm, I'm not sold that but he is going to be as much of a threat as he was last season. And then Finn, I think, has a really good team. Uh, although the latest offseason moves have kind of put a damper on that uh, with Zeke Elliott signing with the Pats kind of hurts from Andre Stevenson. And uh, Dalvin Cook signing with the Jets kind of hurts Brees Hall. So we'll see what happens with Finn. His QB2 situation is a little shaky, too. He's got a bunch of rookies and Baker. So uh, I don't know how that's one that's going to shake out. But if, if any of those rookies pop off, uh, he'll be in a good spot, I think, uh, to compete. But overall, I – I like where my, I think my team talent wise is definitely um, at the top. I'm confident in that. It's just I got to stay healthy, and it's not a great start on the health side of things. But um, hoping the depth that I have tried to build up uh, can pay off a little bit here early on in the season. Like I said, I'd much rather have it happen now than late December. All right, I think that's uh, all I got. Do you think anything else to add before we uh, turn it over to our uh, six uh, guests that join us for media day? Yeah, I do have a quick question for you. I guess uh, big rookie draft uh, last year or this year, I guess you had a ton of picks, but next year you have eight first round picks, I believe, uh, and a couple second and third round picks after that. Uh, Do we have what I guess what's the plan scouting wise? Are we locked into college football this year? Do we have people boots on the ground anywhere that are going to be tuned into uh, Penn State and I don't even know, San Diego State games on the West Coast. We get some late night uh, – we have late night eyes on TVs that are going to send us some scouting reports when next summer rolls around and we have to draft and all of a sudden it's the eighth overall pick and we don't know who to take. Uh, how prepared are we, do we think, for next drafts? Because I know this draft, uh, there was some high-stress moments in round two and three where we didn't really know any names on the board and uh, we didn't know who we were going to take. So I uh, as much as I find the uh, pick stash interesting, I'm a little – I'm curious about what our scouting department strategy is here uh, moving forward. Yeah, so this year isn't really a big uh, boots on the ground uh, year. Last year was the more the boots on the ground where we had a bunch of mid-level third and fourth round picks and we had to get a bunch of different insights from a bunch of different uh, people in the scouting network. You know, we had some uh, – Eric Danahy, for example, gave us a lot of insight on Penn State players. Uh, we picked up Brenton Strange and uh, Parker Washington, both Penn State alums. But next year, we have uh, eight first-round picks. I mean, that's that's your big schools. That's your marquee primetime college football game. So in terms of scouting, you know, San Diego State or uh, Oregon State or Tulsa, that's not really going to be happening next year because uh, those guys really aren't going to be taken in the first round of the NFL. So next year, we're, the, the strategy this year was to pass on quarterback, looking ahead to uh, next year's quarterback class where we have Caleb Williams and uh, Drake May. Uh, if everything goes to plan, those will be the two players that we draft in uh, next year's quarterback class. Uh, plan is also to not draft a quarterback this year because we have Jordan Love. We want to see what we have in Jordan Love. So if we were to take an Anthony Richardson, for example, and if Jordan Love were to kind of blossom, we wouldn't really need Anthony Richardson with Drake May and Caleb Williams coming uh, in the pipeline. So uh, this year we're really focused on developing Jordan Love. I think he's going to be key to our uh, court, key to our draft, uh, even though he's one of our current players, because if Jordan Love – I don't see it happening, but if he completely flops, then we're going to need to maybe even consider taking three quarterbacks next year, which is not really what, what we want to do. And we want to use two of those picks on a quarterback. Uh, then next year we're looking at – we have eight first-round picks and definitely looking at tight end Brock Bowers from Georgia, uh, one of the best players in the uh, in the country, uh, one of the best tight end prospects uh, in recent memory. So I'm going to go with uh, – let's pencil in Brock Bowers for so two quarterbacks, Brock Bowers, at least with those five more picks in the first round, plus a pick in the second round. 
uh, we have to see how these players develop this year. Uh, let's see if any players can take the next step. I mean, this year we picked up. I knew I wasn't going to say what we uh, drafted this year, but uh, we're hoping for a little bit of development from uh, Marvin Mims or maybe Roshan Johnson or uh, Tank Bigsby, uh, Sean Tucker maybe even. Uh, Cedric Tillman, we also like what we've seen out of Cedric. Uh, maybe even Romeo Dobbs forming a partnership with uh, with uh, Jordan Love. So if one of these guys can kind of develop, then we'll kind of develop our positional needs. So maybe we won't need a running back as much as wide receiver next year and vice versa. But let's just go with, uh, let's say, standard. Let's go three wide receivers. And how many picks does that leave me with left? Two more picks. Or maybe two more picks for running back. So if we go two quarterback, two running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. I think that's a pretty good, pretty good strategy. So Marvin Harrison Jr. is definitely gonna be one of the receivers that we take. Uh, and then at running back, you know, we kind of have to do a little bit of scouting there. You know, Rocket Sanders from Arkansas, maybe maybe a good player that we could take a look at. Uh, Trayvon Henderson from Ohio State, maybe another player we can take a look at. Uh, Ohio State also has another receiver, uh, Nameka Buka, we could take a look at. Uh, so we'll be scouting some premier names uh, from the wide receiver and running back position. Uh, and then we also have a second round pick that we can also take a high high quality player with. So I think next year, in terms of scouting, I think I think I'll be the main head scout. I think last year was more where we need to find the sleepers, kind of dive into the YouTubes, uh, find the random videos, turn on the film uh, at odd hours of the night on random players. Um, so we did a lot of that last year, but I think this year, really looking at the eye tests on some of the marquee names and some of the biggest programs in college football, and. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's pretty safe to say we go two quarterbacks, one tight end. Uh, if uh, Brock Bowers is makes sense at that time, three re- three receivers, two running backs, and then after that, I think give these guys a year to develop, and then start trading some of these picks for some real players. It's kind of hard to tell who's going to be available uh, at that certain time, but I wouldn't mind trading for some rentals to try and win in the short term. And at that point, we're probably if we do it right, we won't need picks for the next three or four years. So. I hope that answers your question, but I think we're really excited for the future. And this year, uh, when I'm watching NFL games in particular, I'm really honing in on the Packers. I need to see see what Jordan Love is going to give me, uh, see what Romeo Dobbs can give me, and then we'll uh, take it from there. And then hopefully our young guys, uh, Bijan Robinson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba can find their way in the league, stay healthy. And those guys, I mean, next year we have eight first-round picks, but this year wasn't even our tank year, and we got arguably the best running back and best receiver in the draft class. So pair that with Trevor Lawrence as well. I think we have a great – Great future, and uh, yeah, really excited to see what Jordan Love can give us, and uh, hopefully he pans out, and then we'll only need to take uh, two quarterbacks next year. All right, well, I'm uh, I'm excited to uh, see what happens here as the season unfolds, and uh, let's get into these interviews. All right, we welcome our first guest, uh, Biggie, uh, to the podcast. Biggie, uh, for the uh, audience at home, your team, uh, your quarterbacks are Dak Prescott, Daniel Jones, Jared Goff, running backs. Derek Henry, Nick Chubb, uh, Rakad White, Jarek McKinnon, wide receivers, Debo Samuel, Keenan Allen, Brandon Cooks, Elijah Moore, Mikael Hardman, Kadarius Toney, Tyler Boyd, Michael Gallup, tight ends, Tyler Higby, Trey McBride, Kate Otten. You used a draft pick this year on Evan Hull. In 2024, you have no first-round or second-round picks. Your, your next uh, first-round pick is in 2025. Tied third in all-time standings with a record of 16-12. and 12. In 2021, you finished in first and lost in the championship. 2022, last year you finished in sixth, uh, seven and seven, and lost in the semifinals to Sheamus. Title odds this year are 2,500 to one. Odds to make the playoffs are minus 200, and your win total is at seven and a half. Biggie, how are you feeling about your team's chances this season? Look, I think laying out everything you just laid out, we're feeling okay. Uh, right now, we got through the preseason healthy. 
We were a very old team. I look at us like the 2000, or excuse me, yeah, like the uh, the, the 1996 Dallas Cowboys. You never know where we're going to go. I feel like we got to still got one one shot at this with this lineup. Yeah, and I, I need to add here too, your co-owner Fishbob, who's been an integral part of the franchise and uh, what you've built over the last couple of years, not showing up tonight. Um, I think that's kind of a good analogy for at least my view of your uh, team right now. Uh, there's just there's something missing, and I, I can't put a finger on it, but there's there's something something missing here. Um, and I mean, I, I I think we should get right into it. I, you you have Nick Chubb, you have Derrick Henry, you got a good you got a good duo right there, a good core to build around, and you just surround them with players that I would say are they're not the best football players. I between Rashad White uh, and then a handful of our receivers who are old and can't stay healthy, and Keenan Allen, Brandon Cooks. Uh, we got Samaje Ryan in the starting lineup, who's potentially the Broncos' third-string running back. Daniel Jones in the lineup. Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, just a lot of mediocre players up and down the lineup. Uh, and we were, a lot of our young talent, too. Miko Hardman, Chase Claypool, Elijah Moore, these guys kind of flamed out because they're mediocre. Uh, I, I guess, what do you have to say about that? Do you think I have the wrong read here? Or are we just, I mean, I, I feel like we're wasting the prime of Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry. Yeah, I, look, I can appreciate your take. You know, when the entire league ships all of their best players to you, it's an easy perch to speak from. But if you look at the balance of the league outside of your world, the Dak Prescott, Danny Jones, and, and uh, our boy Goff is not a bad. Those are three top ten quarterbacks. You may argue that, but their stats show it. I agree with you completely on the wide receiver side. Debo, he's okay. I think Keenan Allen has a bounce back year because they're going to throw the ball 700 times. And I'm actually eager to see what Cooks gets. Cooks is one of my favorite players. I've had him in many leagues over the years. And I think getting himself out of like the hellhole that he was in the last couple of years and into a, a, an offense that's going to double CD Lamb, I think Cooks has a chance to go vertical with Dak Prescott. He's the only chance Dak Prescott basically has. The only thing I'm upset about with the Cowboys is they didn't keep a tight end on the roster that's any good, which I think would have enabled Cooks to be one-on-one most of the time. So, again, we'll see what happens. But I actually think Cooks has a bounce-back year. Is that enough? Probably not. I think where we're struggling right now, uh, and and I've been pushing really hard on this, having a difference-maker tight end would give us a much better shot to finish in the playoffs and getting some upside in those playoffs – you know, out of a couple of these different players will give us a chance to win. I think it's going to be a very similar year to last year because I don't think any of the other teams that made the playoffs got any better. Yeah, so building off what you said, you said the champs is kind of living in his own little world with his amazing team. I kind of agree. So don't you feel, like, happy that your team's been consistent over the last two years, finishing first and sixth, making the playoffs and the semifinals both years, all-time winning record? Do you take any pride in just being consistent year in, year out? Yeah, look, I, I, I think that that's our goal. Uh, the challenge is, and, and this is where I think you can pick on us more. Maybe this is why Bulb is out walking his dog or something like that right now. The trade for Brady and the trade for Keenan Allen last year was a reaction to all of the talent that was shipped to Skell. We never would have traded for Brady and never would have traded for Keenan Allen, but we realized very quickly that there's no way to go against the super team. Um, that would have saved us two draft picks, but it's either, you know, win or second place is the first loser. And that's kind of how me and Bulb operate. I can respect that because, like you said, I, 
I am probably rolling out a bit of a super team um, the last year and a half, but uh, you you guys are probably the only team that's going going uh, championship robust right with me. Uh, there's a lot of teams that are kind of trying to go 50-50, and they're not going to out-rebuild PJ with his 15,000 first-round picks, and I don't think they're going to out-compete me or um, any other team that tries to go all in if they're just going, you know, dipping their toe in the water on each side. So I, I can respect that. I see, I see the vision. I just, we might've pushed our chips to the middle a little too early here on, on some players that I, I don't know. I think there, I think there were some opportunities to sell high maybe. And uh, even you look at a guy like Derek Henry, he's 30 years old. Most likely your team, I hate to say it, but most likely you're probably not winning a title this year. I think we sell Derrick Henry for some young talent. Yeah, so, so that that actually, if you think about it, immediately concedes the season. We're not in that place. I, I've been in this, uh, this fantasy football world for 35 years, and when playoff comes, your, your objective isn't to win the Super Bowl. Your objective is to get into the playoffs because in the playoffs, anything can happen. You take last year at halftime, Skell, you were nervous. We were beating you. We end up losing to you. And in the semifinal game or the, the runner-up game, we would have won it. So it doesn't mean our team needs to be the best. It means we have to get to the playoffs, period. Now, anything can happen in the playoffs. I'll go a step further, though. You, we start out the year 0-3, 1-4, 2-5, something like that. Then it makes sense to start to dismantle and ship all of this talent to whoever's in that third or fourth place spot and start to refill the coffers. Here's the thing. If we sold high – all that would have done is given us 2023 and 2024 draft picks. Your team is going to be good for the next three years. It's irrelevant to start to rebuild right now. So it, if we started to rebuild now, all it's going to do is get us folks or players that are going to start to age already. And we don't have enough draft picks to worry about that. We'll start to stockpile 2024, 2025s, excuse me, 2025, 2026s 20, 20, 20, uh, when we're ready to dismantle the team. And the, the one question that's going to remain is, are folks like Chubb and Henry going to land somewhere for 10 to $12 million a year next year, or are they not? We'll see what happens. Yes, yeah, I just don't know if you're going to have that many uh, buyers other than Seamus for your two top running backs. So it would be safe to assume that your 2025 and 2026 picks are not going to be on the trade market at the deadline because I don't see any other way for you to acquire any more talent unless you trade your 2025 and 2026 first-round picks to win this year. And, and, yeah, I don't see how you – what are the moves you could possibly make? kind of looks like this could be your team for the season and just ride it out and see what happens. It, it likely is our team for the season, and I think we're comfortable. Like I said, the, the one area that we may make a, a change in could be at the tight end spot, and that would be with a draft pick. I don't know that that would happen. Um, but I don't know why somebody in third or fourth place would not want Chubb and Henry to try to beat Skell. So I, I disagree with the value that you put on those running backs. I also disagree vehemently with the Rashad White comments. Rashad White's going to be an RB10 this year. Uh, I, have, I have some things to say about Rashad White before we get too ahead of ourselves here. Um, I'm just going to pull up his, his numbers from last year. So Rashad White, third-round pick out of Arizona State. He was an old draft pick. He was 23 when he got drafted. Um, nobody had ever heard of him. I'm going to be Did you know who Rashad White was in college? I didn't. Um, maybe, maybe some diehard Arizona state fans knew Rashad White was, uh, but I think for the most part, 
that's a guy that wasn't uh, too strongly touted coming out of college, I think it's safe to say. And as a rookie, playing alongside Leonard Fournette, who, by the way, is unemployed right now. Nobody wants him. He was bad last year. But Rashad White was playing alongside of him. Uh, he got 129 carries, did nothing with them. And that's an understatement. Uh, 480 yards and one touchdown on 129 carries. That's 3.7 yards per carry, which is well, well, well below league average. Um, as a receiver, he was a little bit better, but 5.8 yards per catch. That's ugly. Uh, he did have two receiving touchdowns, so I guess I'll give him that. But, I mean, we, we were averaging 28 rushing yards a game, 17 receiving yards a game. Couldn't really get too many snaps over uh, – over Leonard Fournette. And also we had three touchdowns, three total touchdowns, rushing, receiving, we had three fumbles. So Rashad White wasn't a difference maker last year. He didn't prove any, he he didn't, I mean, he showed me nothing that I'm exactly excited about. I think he was drafted in round three because he had a good combine, which I'm not a big combine believer anyway. Uh, And then Buccaneers turn around, they signed Sean Tucker, who is called NCAA superstar at Syracuse. Uh, They signed him as an undrafted free agent. Keep it's going. a fact. It's I, a fact. Let keep, me keep going. Keep it going. He went on drafted because of heart problems, and now he's already worked his way up the depth chart, and the latest reports out of Tampa Bay is that he's splitting first-team touches with Rashad White. So on a terrible offense, object, I mean, Baker Mayfield's the QB. It's going to be a bad offense. A running back who was incredibly inefficient last year, wasn't really a highly touted prospect, no really special aspects of his game. He had one nice stiff-arm highlight. Um, on some random DB that no one's ever heard of. And that pretty much is what has elevated his hype in his draft stock all summer long is the idea that he's going to get a million carries, which I don't think he's even a top – I would argue he's, he's definitely not the best running back on Tampa Bay. I think Sean Tucker is a better talent than he is. Um, but, he, I mean, he's a below-average running back on a bad team. I, I just don't see it here. I don't see the hype. So I don't, I don't know why we're not trying to sell high on the hype of Young talent Rashad White, who probably a year from now isn't going to have a job. Um, we could, we could get we could recoup some assets and maybe even get some older players who could help us win now because we like we said we we still want to win now around Chubb and Henry. So I don't know. Yeah, I I just think that we have a difference in our talent evaluation on what Rashad White's upside is. I just look at a guy who touched the ball less than half the times on the team and had 780 yards and three touchdowns. So, uh, sure, that may not work out. I actually think, though, that if he has any good start to the season, his upside would be higher than it is now. So maybe I get a third-round pick in a trade for him. I think that that would be a complete waste. So why not give him a shot? And it doesn't make a difference if he isn't that good because a third-round pick's not going to rebuild this team. I, I think you can get more than a third-round pick for him. I think, But, hey, we, we can agree to disagree here. It's fine. I just think you're overselling Rashad White and his abilities a little too much. And I do think that the only getting half the touches on the team is an indictment on him, considering his competition for touches was the corpse of Leonard Fournette, who currently does not have a job right now, I'll remind you. Nobody wants him. Yeah, And that's the guy that was beating out Rashad White for touches last year. I, so, I would also go back to the makeup of the team where you had Tom Brady throwing the ball 75 times per game. So this is a completely different team. Well, yes, but Tom Brady historically has supported some really good pass-catching running backs, and Rashad White didn't exactly do anything to – Nine for 45, six for 41, and a touchdown, five for – so his last five out of six weeks, he had four catches or more. So he does prove he that he can do that. He didn't do anything with those catches, so I don't know if I care. RB15, RB14, RB13. Again, this is a mid-pack guy. I, I that didn't say anything RB15, more than an RB10. 13 on a Tom Brady offense, and now it's a Baker with, Mayfield offense. With half the touches. 
Snap percentage. I, I don't know. I don't know if the half the touches thing is going to change. I, I really, I think he has better competition this year than he did last year. Yeah, like you said, we can agree to disagree. If we spend the entire podcast on on Rashad White, we're probably doing a disservice to the league. Yeah, yeah right. I think uh, I think we're running low on time here. Biggie, anything else you uh, have to say, or any any bold predictions uh, for the season? Yeah, look, bold predictions. I think we're a fifth place finisher, and we're putting all in on the Chubb Henry push in the playoffs. And we're going to see if Daniel Daniel Jones, I think, is our wild card. I think Daniel Jones has a chance to be QB7, QB6 this year. All right, sounds good. Thank you for uh, fulfilling your media duties, and maybe next year we'll uh, get Bob to uh, join you. I hope he shows, man. Hey, guys, have an awesome day. Enjoy the rest of the media day. Thank you. Thank you, you too. So next to join the podcast is Luke, a.k.a. C. John. Uh, Luke's team, at quarterback, we have Patrick Mahomes and Derek Carr. Running back, Josh Jacobs, Najee Harris, Jameer Gibbs, uh, Damon Pierce. Wide receiver, Chris Olave, T. Higgins, Christian Watson, Michael Thomas, Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman, Gabe Davis, Jameson Williams, Marquise Brown, Jahan Dotson. Tight end, uh, Dalton Schultz. Uh, in the draft, obviously, uh, Luke got Jameer Gibbs and Zay Flowers. 2024, Luke has one first-round pick, two second-round picks, as, long, as well as uh, first-round picks in 2025 and 2026. Luke is tied sixth in all-time standings with a record of 13 and 15. 2021, he finished in ninth with a record of six and eight. Last year, in fifth with a record of seven and seven, and lost in the first round of the playoffs. Luke's title odds are 1800 to one to make the playoffs. Luke is minus 250 and a win total of seven and a half. Luke, with all that being said, what are your expectations for the upcoming season? Yeah, uh, thanks, PJ. Um, I'm feeling most confident this year out of any of the years so far. Uh, First year was kind of a wash, traded away my players early when I realized my draft wasn't good. Last year was kind of a rebuild, uh, going off a lot of rookies. And this year, um, I see a chance to make – I have a good chance to make the playoffs and possibly a chance with a couple of good weeks to string something together. Um, I focus a lot this offseason on building up some running backs, uh, traded off for Najee Harris and Josh Jacobs, um, which really helped me a lot uh, last – um, last season, I was dealing with no running backs, uh, just kind of more wide receiver heavy. Knew I wasn't going to win, so just sat on those. Um, but I think they put me in a good spot. Got a nice piece of Mahomes. Uh, got Derek Carr in a trade. Complete the two QB duo. Um, excited for this year. I think there's, there's a chance there. Uh, okay, see John. Um, I love the offseason moves to uh, add some young running back talent. Uh, Josh Jacobs, I believe, was running back one last year. I think that's a big move. Um, I like the draft pick of Jameer Gibbs. Uh, I like that he fell to you. But the number one thing I'm concerned about, I think you have a great team. I truly do. You have a lot of good young receivers, good young running backs. You have Pat Mahomes, who's probably the most valuable player in uh, all of this in the grand scheme of things. But the rest of the QB room, Achilles heel, I think. Derek Carr, never been a big fan of his. Uh, and then after him, I mean, on bye weeks, or if Pat Mahomes goes down or if Derek Carr goes down, we're rolling out Mike White, Tyler Huntley, and Davis Mills. Uh, what, what's the, uh, I guess, I mean, I, what's our backup plan here? What's our fallback plan? Cause I, I don't know. I'm worried. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, all right. So Mahomes, if he gets hurt, I'm screwed no matter what. Uh, so let's just hope that doesn't happen. Um, so my logic with, with Derek Carr, uh, I got him for pretty cheap. Um, and he's going to a new team, uh, that should be in a high power division. Uh, high-power offensive division, and the teams are really bad there. So I'm hoping that there's some uh, high scoring going on for the Saints, and he'll be at the head of that. 
And I've had a lot of other players in the league trying to sell me their quarterbacks. Um, and my logic is if Derek Carr works out, I keep him. Uh, if not, I buy midseason at a probably a cheaper value, in my opinion, than what people think they, they're trying to sell quarterbacks to me now. Um, and I don't want to trade uh, a pick for a backup quarterback because I think Derek Carr has a good chance of being my starter. What I think he does pans out. If he gets me 16 a game, I'm happy. Um, so worst case, I'll go out and trade for someone midseason, but I don't think it's worth trading away a draft pick to have someone sit on my bench um, if Derek Carr does good. So that's kind of the logic there. I don't have that much depth. I do agree with that. Um, three guys. Uh, I do have some deep rookies on the on the taxi squad. Stetson Bennett and Kyle Trask. Um, dream would be for one of those guys to maybe make it in a couple of years, but otherwise just rolling with what I got. And, uh, yeah, I guess going off of that, too, uh, you are the, I believe, the only team to not that PJ doesn't own your first-round pick next year. Uh, I kind of like that strategy. Uh, with Caleb Williams expected to be, people are calling him the next Pat Mahomes at the top of the draft. What are the odds that you, you maybe try to tank one more season, get Caleb Williams, pair him with Mahomes? Uh, could we see that out of the C. John franchise this year? Any chance we – we, we started the season 0-1, 0-2. Are we, are we making moves to throw it down, throw everything down the drain, tank for Caleb, beat out PJ for the number one QB uh, prospect in a few years, and then we roll out with Pat Mahomes and Caleb uh, a season from now? It would, it would need to take some drastic injuries early on. Um, I, I don't want that to be the case. I want to start getting some wins under the belt. Uh, as PJ said in the beginning of this uh, intro for me. I have a losing record in my two seasons. Um, and last season was kind of born. I just kind of sat around, knew I was going to lose. No, I wasn't really a contender. Even though I made the playoffs, I knew there was no chance I was going to go anywhere. Um, I think I'm in a spot right now where I'm, I'm eager to win. Um, if somehow I get some devastating injuries early on, I'll, I'd consider making some moves. Um, but as of now, I'm hoping, you know, for one of the mid, mid to further back first round picks next year, um, now I got pulled over PJ leaves behind. Yeah, as Seamus said, I own your, your first-round picks. I'll be watching your games. I do not own your first-round picks, sorry. So I'll be watching your games very yeah. closely, hoping that you win as many games as possible. I do love the addition of uh, Derek Carr. I think last year you had the fifth overall pick. And at that point, I think three quarterbacks would have been taken all before you. So I don't even think mm-hmm. you could have gotten a rookie starting quarterback this year. And then I want to focus on the tight end room. I think as a fan of your team and wanting you to win every single week, I'm not a fan of this tight end room. All we have is Dalton Schultz. He went to the Texans. I mean, maybe he gets fed by a rookie quarterback who just closes his eyes and throws to the tight end. But I think we need to upgrade this tight end room. We have some draft capital to do it. Uh, we have some younger players to do it. I don't know. I think at some point we need to look at tight end. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, I think the ceiling for Schultz would be like a tight end 10 right in the middle of the pack. Um I think there's some. There's, I think there's there's very defined tiers of tight ends of fantasy, and as of right now, I'm not willing to pay the price for one of those tier one guys. Uh, maybe I'll sit in for a couple of weeks, see who comes out as like a a decent tier two guy, you know, tight end seven, tight end six, tight end eight, um, and try to make some moves then. But uh, preseason going in, um, I don't like the the trade values that people are throwing out. Uh, Got to sit back and find the time to strike on one of those tight ends. Yeah, 
I like the patient approach, I will say. I probably lack that a little bit, and I could probably uh, take something away from that because I get impatient pretty quick. So uh, I'll make some uh, – I'll probably overpay a little bit for guys that I just want to see on my lineup. But, uh, yeah, I can respect the patient approach. No rush, I guess, to uh, overpay for a tight end, although I did hear Darren Waller might be on the block for the uh, New York Giants. So really? maybe you go acquire Darren Waller and uh, Danny Dimes at the deadline and get a little Giants stack going from two, two uh, maybe some washed-up teams in Bahia and Biggie. Who knows? I would, yeah, I'll keep it on the radar. <laughs> so my, my uh, last question for you is going back to last year's draft. I think you had – ton of first or second round picks and i'll say five picks or so and you spent some i think all on wide receivers can you talk us through your uh, draft strategy last year and why you went uh, so wide receiver heavy yeah so like my early my early strategy after my first season was the realization that i wasn't going to be able to compete maybe for the next you know two two years two three years and you know there's a couple running backs that are studs for multiple years but uh Early analysis was don't don't draft running backs. You're not a contender. So I, I got in my mind, I'm going to go all receivers. Um, the top receivers have way more value than top running backs, especially in Dynasty. So I, I just threw out five picks on them. I really liked where my draft picks were sitting also to get those receivers. Um, a couple panned out. Um, I really like Watson. Uh, Olave is a beast. Um, and then a couple of guys are, are right, in the, right in the brink. Uh, Jahan Dotson, um, he's looking really good. Uh, hopefully get to breakout season. Um, and then Jameson Williams has been a bust. Uh, I've had multiple people tell me I should trade him away for nothing, but, uh, I've seen him on my bench for way too long to not see him play a full couple games. Uh, I need that satisfaction from him. So I'm going to sit on him no matter what, if he doesn't pan out and I get two, maybe three of those receivers in that draft class. Being starters on my team, I think it's a successful draft. Um, it is what it is. I knew I was going to miss on a couple. But, uh, yeah, I, think I really like my wide receiver stack. I think I'm really deep. Got a lot of value there. Um, and that's I like that as a core piece of my team around Mahomes. Seamus, do you have uh, anything else to add? Uh, not really. I guess my last question would be uh, we have, we have D- Damian, Damian Pierce of the Houston Texans running back as our running back three right now. Uh, like you just said, the shelf life on running backs isn't too long in this league, especially for some, you know, day three draft pick guys on bad teams that aren't the greatest pass catchers. Uh, history of getting banged up a little bit. Is there any uh, any chance we see you try to maybe sell him high uh, for a more stable uh, wide receiver or running back or even a QB, actually? Uh, I could see that happening. Uh, Demian Pierce, is that a guy we should be on the watch for uh, – you to be trying to sell uh, early season or at the deadline? Yeah, so I got a couple of guys backing him up right now on my bench. Um, if one of them pans out to be a, at least a decent score, you know, maybe double-digit average, nine-point average, then I consider moving him. Otherwise, I don't know if I want to take the risk on getting rid of him if my depth is pretty awful. Um, I got a couple of guys that might might be all right. Uh, so it's got to sit around see how my, my uh, deeper running backs do. Um, Najee and Josh Jacobs should be the one-two punch at the top of that running back depth chart. But uh, I do like to have a third guy to rotate in one, you know, in, this, in the flex position as well. When one of those guys is a buy, um, I think that'll be super important if I'm looking to contend. Uh, so kind of honestly, it depends on my bench more than it depends on him uh, for the trade probability. 
All right. Uh, good stuff to you, John. And uh, thank you for uh, joining the uh, Media Day proceedings. Yeah, thanks for having me. And we welcome uh, Smalley and Shep uh, to the Media Day podcast. So to go over uh, Smalley and Shep's roster, at quarterback, we have Geno Smith, Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter, running back Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift, Javante Williams, Raheem Mostert, wide receiver Nico Collins, George Pickens, Traylon Burks, Darnell Mooney, Marquez Valdez, Gary, <laughs> <laughs> Alan Lazard, uh, Van Jefferson, uh, Quez Watkins, tight end. We do have a nice tight end room with Mark Andrews and Noah Fant. And we added to the tight end room in the draft with a draft pick in the fourth round, Luke Musgrave, the only draft pick uh, for Smalley and Shep. That was a great pick. 2024, though, you have uh, one first-round pick, three second-round picks. In 2025, you have a first-round pick and two second-round picks with a first-round pick in 2026. Uh, your last, unfortunately, in all-time standings at seven and twenty-one, came in seventh in twenty twenty-one, uh, seventh in twenty twenty-one with a record of six and eight, tenth last year with a record of one and thirteen. But after last year, we have added a co-owner to the team. Uh, Shep has joined the team, and Shep's made such a big difference that the title odds are now at plus eleven thousand to one. You're plus fifteen hundred to one to win the playoffs, and your win total is at a whopping two and a half. So, with all that listed out, what are our expectations for the season? You know, I think we're personally going to have a great season. I think there's a lot of people counting us out, and I do agree that uh, we, we certainly have a, a team that isn't as, as great as, you know, it, it could be. But I would also argue that we got significantly younger after a lot of trades were made in the offseason. Um, the addition of Javante Williams was massive for us. Um, so we want to welcome him back to the team after he was traded away um, a couple years ago, after picking him up in the first rookie draft. So... Uh, we're excited to have him back. We're excited to see what he's going to contribute to the team. Uh, we also have a couple of really great free agent picks that I think uh, my co-owner would like to talk about, especially uh, a certain Indianapolis Colts running back as well. Um, so I'm going to give him the mic from here. Yeah, no, I think, you know, coming into this team here, um, the goal of me joining, you know, Smalley here is to get the team younger, try to restore a little bit of the future here. Um, you know, getting some some future draft picks back, um, definitely going to be big for us here. Um, and just as Smalley mentioned, Deion Jackson, a nice little acquisition for us, given the Jonathan Taylor situation in Indianapolis, you know, looks like he'll be the week one starter. So I think we got a lot of guys here that, um, you know, a lot of, you know, question marks coming into the year, but there could be some potential for some good performances and, you know, maybe a low floor, but certainly a high ceiling for us here. So, but it's all about the process and we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I, uh, I've long said that I'm a uh, supporter of the Getty franchise and the Getty vision. I've, uh, I think he's made some underrated moves in the past couple of years and gets too much hate. Uh, one, for example, he, he did, Getty did finesse me out of the sixth overall pick. Uh, I think that was last year um, for Aaron Rodgers and Zeke, uh, who I probably would, I would probably reverse that trade if I could. That was a great trade by Getty. So, um, yeah, I, I'm a believer in the Getty vision. I will say, though, with all this talk about getting younger, why did we trade a 21-year-old tight end for Mark Andrews? I'd, l- I'd love to hear some perspective on the Mark Andrews trade. Yeah, absolutely. I think <clears throat> I think that, that trade gets a lot of hate for uh, no reason. Honestly, I don't like to talk to my other competitors here, but, you know, we do look at a team like Big E. We do look at, like, like you know, we do look at a couple other teams that think that they are in strong positions, but – don't have tight ends. So the entire point of that trade was um, mainly to recoup a uh, 
both Mark Andrews and, you know, we also got younger at the wide receiver position by adding George Pickens as well. So uh, we, we really wanted to try and get as many young pieces as possible. Um, and honestly, I don't think either of us had much faith in Kyle Pitts after acquiring him um, and a first round pick this year for Dak Prescott. Um, so, you know, I believe that we got better uh, at the position in general, but then on top of that, um, we got younger at wide receiver getting, getting George Pickens into that trade and also have some, some upside when the, uh, the season gets, gets down to the wire and teams like Big E are trying to push for playoff spot and don't have a tight end. Um, so we'll see what happens later on in the season there. Yeah, I will say our, uh, our last two guests, uh, both Big E and C. John, I believe, are in the trade market for a stud tight end. So maybe after uh, media day, you hit their line and try to make something work, get a couple first-round picks back uh, to help assist this rebuild. You know, I think Smalley, Smalley said it best here. You know, I think looking at Mark Andrews, yeah, he's not the youngest guy, but he's not even 30 years old. He's 27. Um so I think you look at a guy, obviously he's an outlier. Travis Kelsey is in his 32, 33 years old. So Getty and I still think that Andrew's got has a couple of years left of being a lead. And like you said earlier, you know, we got we got a young player in George Pickens who's got a lot of upside. And, you know, if the price is right, maybe Andrews will be on the market here. Come come close to the trade deadline. So I, I like the acquisition, even though we did get older at tight end, but I think we'll see what happens here. I would also like to comment on some rumors um, that have been going around. Um, I don't know if Biggie or Bob got to talk about it a little bit um, on the podcast today, but I do know that there has been trade talks um, of them potentially moving wide receiver to Getty along with a pick for uh, for a premium tight end. So those talks have been in the works for a while. Um, I know Bob is a big fan of the player, and uh, we have a couple of guys on their team that we really are interested in, um, one of them being Elijah Moore. So, you know, we'll see what happens later down in the line and uh, see if we can get something done before the trade deadline this year. Yeah, so I want to talk about the uh, the, the uh, relationship between the co-owners here. So, Smalley, can you take me through the process of uh, wanting to add a second co-owner to the team and reaching out to Shep? And then, Shep, uh, can you talk about, like, the, uh, the conversation that you had with Smalley when joining the team? Did you think uh, that the roster was going to look the way it did uh, when you joined the team? And then, lastly, as these trade talks are happening, can you guys talk about – uh, your dynamic in these trade talks, like you guys see eye to eye, what happens if one of you guys uh, doesn't want to move a certain player or one of you guys does want to move a certain player and how that kind of works and who gets like the final say is it kind of one gets one trade, the next next guy gets the other trade. And you guys always see eye to eye in that process and how you guys think you're going to fit as a co-owners, and especially as you start to build this lineup and you start to use some of these picks and acquire more talent. Maybe there'll be disagreements on who to start, uh, who to set, how to set the lineup. So I want to kind of hear about your thought process and, What's going to make you two a good, uh, good, good co-owners together? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I think it's no secret that uh, there's been moves that have been made in the past um, on on Team Spaghetti that were frowned upon, um, didn't really take the the franchise the way they wanted to go. And if I'm being honest, that was a combination of both, um, you know, a uh, a poor trade right in the beginning with Ezekiel Elliott and a couple of first round picks that probably shouldn't have happened, um, and then from there trying to get back um, with a couple of trades that, you know, maybe were frowned upon at the time, but certainly um, look a lot better now. Um, the big one being uh, the Calvin Ridley trade where we got Godwin and then flipped that for, uh, for a first and a couple other things. Um, that was definitely a big trade. Um, so I think, I think the big thing was, was how do we write the ship after a couple of, um, a couple of, of blown trades, especially in, you know, early, early, early in the first season of, uh, 
of this dynasty league. And I think the big thing was, you know, after talking to other league owners um, and fans of the franchise as well, it seemed as though, you know, the idea was always there and the idea that Getty had was always there, that I had was always there. But, you know, having someone else to bounce, to bounce ideas off of and having someone else to be there to kind of um, veto the crazy ideas uh, was certainly needed. So Brendan Shepin really, really established a, um, a calmness in, uh, in the front office that I don't think Team Getty has had in a while. Um, so that's one of the reasons that I brought him in. On top of that, you know, obviously um, he's, a, he's a vet with some of the, the, uh, the players that we brought in. Obviously, you know, a massive Denver Broncos fan, which was great um, in our negotiations with Javante Williams. So um, bringing him in was, was certainly uh, uh, big for the franchise. Yeah, no, I think, you know, Getty said it, said it best there, you know, coming into the team, you know, I, you know, I knew, you know, with just conversations circling around the league, I was still a part of it. While I didn't necessarily have any ownership, I knew that the franchise um, was definitely in need of some new eyes on it. Um, you know, I was excited to come in um, and try to make a difference with the team here. I wasn't particularly pleased with the what I originally saw in terms of the draft picks that we had going forward, but Getty and I, you know, Swally and I have been working together pretty hard over the summer here, trying to trying to brighten the future for this team here, get get some first round picks, get some second round picks, you know, get younger. Um, and that was kind of my job here as a, a little bit. It's just to come in, as Getty said, just kind of, you know, bounce ideas off each other. And, you know, I think the communication is good between the two of us, you know. Um, you know, there are certainly are disagreements, but, you know, we're able to work through it here and talk it out and figure out, you know, what the best decisions are for the team. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, I'm very happy with the progress we've made this summer. The communication is good. And I think going forward into the season, in terms of lineup selections, trades, waiver acquisitions, it will continue to stay strong there. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here and help this rebuild process and get Getty to his rightful place as being a contender again. Yeah, I would agree with that sentiment um, in terms of decisions being made. You know, it's a very, very 50 50 split. You know, in terms of, of how we see the value of our players, I think both of us are uh, are pretty close in terms of, you know, how we value each player in our team. So um, we've had extensive talks about who we value, who we want to move, um, who we think uh, we could get for certain players. I think, um, I think the only disagreement we sometimes have maybe is what players and other teams we like when we are trying to move people. Um, but that normally, yeah. um, you know, that's a discussion that I think um, happens pretty quickly and it's very constructive. You know, one of the, one of the big trades that I would, I would argue that happened this season that people in the league didn't like, but that I did think made, made us a little bit stronger was uh, the trade for MVS and um, Alan Lazard. Uh, personally, you know, when we were looking to move Christian Kirk in that trade, uh, we were looking for a draft pick, which is certainly what we got. Um, but we were also looking for a younger receiver at first. Um, and there was talk about Elijah Moore coming one way with the trade with Biggie. Uh, but I think, I think, you know, this is one of the, the one of the spots where I let Shep kind of take the wheel. And although I think he got two players that we maybe maybe we could have done a little bit better there, um, I also agree that it was way more important to you know establish a pick, um, you know, yeah. next year. So I, I think, like I said, you know, the the valuation that we put in our players is very similar, um, and it's just those decisions that go 50-50 that are that that have been great, honestly, um, on who we want from other teams. Yep, I agree. Yeah, and I, I don't really have a ton else to add here, uh, but I will say I, I did love the moves you guys, you guys made this offseason. Uh, you know, it was looking pretty bleak at the end of last year in terms of uh, lack of draft picks and lack of young talent, and you guys did a good job in replenishing 
your future. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I see the Getty vision, and I, I think I have for the past year. I've been a big-time supporter of this franchise, and I'm, uh, I'm rooting for a nice rebuild for Spaghetti Mafia. Yeah, so my uh, last question is, you know, we've talked a lot about the Getty vision in the future, but there's a season to play uh, this year, and Vegas has set your win total at two and a half, and you both seem to be very confident that you're going over this two and a half mark. So a uh, few words on why you think you can uh, get more than three wins this year, maybe even make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you know, you never, you never know what's going to happen in this league, right? You know, we have competitors with teams that are certainly aging. You know, you look at Biggie and Bolt, you know, they have some good players, but you never know what could happen. An injury to Keenan Allen, an injury to uh, some of their older players would definitely sink them, you know. Uh, other other young talent coming to the league, like TJ Spears, you know, he, he might take over uh, for, for Derrick Henry, which would put a dent in their franchise. Uh, but on top of that, I think we're pretty on par with some of the other teams in the division that aren't as strong. Um, you know, Camario Brothers definitely got rid of a ton, a ton of players for, honestly, draft picks that – I didn't love at the time when the trades were made, um, but I feel like, you know, we play them and I feel like we could take out a win on them. You know, Max also has a strong team, Mr. King, but again, he has a similar spot with us where I, but, you know, if things don't fall the right way, I think he has a way, way higher floor than us, but if they don't fall the right way and, you know, we get some lucky breaks, we could, we could uh, bust a win out against him as well. So um, I, I think, I think, you know, we're definitely not anywhere near a lock to make the playoffs, but I think we are a lock to um, get some luck on our side, see some, see some, you know, high value games from guys who, you know, maybe are flying a little bit under the radar for the rest of the league. And, you know, we can, we can get a couple wins here. Yeah, no, I think, you know, to kind of piggyback off that, I know, I think there's a lot of young talent here and kind of like we touched on earlier, just some, some guys with, with some high upside, in my opinion, in new situations, you know, Look at a guy like Nico Collins um, coming in, you know, with C.J. Stroud at quarterback. Who knows what that changes? I think that's an upgrade from, you know, who's dealing with in the past with Davis Mills and whoever else is in that Texas quarterback room. Looking at guys like George Pickens, Kenny Pickett as well, you know, jumping into that next season, you know, um, this is kind of where they are able to show from an NFL perspective, you know, if they're going to be good enough to play in this league for a long time. Uh, Javante Williams as well coming back off an injury. Um, could definitely see some promise there and our running back room as well. You know, Jamal Williams, Deion Jackson, you know, those guys will be starting games earlier in the season. So I think we can pick up some unexpected wins for sure pretty early on and um, we'll see what happens. But, you know, we're definitely, you know, in need of some guys to overperform for sure. We're not a lot to make the playoffs by any means, but, you know, I think we can definitely surprise some teams some play, uh, in some games and get a couple wins here when it's not expected. Um, but yeah, I like it. All right. Well, I want to thank you guys uh, for joining us this year and uh, we'll do it again. We'll talk to you guys during the season. Appreciate yep. it. Thanks guys. Let me welcome uh, Mike Carr next to me today, the owner of uh, CD's nuts. Mike's team consists of uh, quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, Russell Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo, running backs, Aaron Jones, Travis Etienne, Joe Mixon, Miles Sanders, wide receivers, CD Lamb, Christian Kirk, Tyler Lockett, Deontay Johnson, Jerry Judy, Tight end, George Kittle, uh, the Titans tight end that I know you like, but I'm not going to try and pronounce his name. In 2024, you have two second-round picks. You have no draft picks in 2025, and you have a first-round pick in 2026. All-time, you're ranked tied third with a record of 16-12 and 12 in 2021. And 2022, you came in fourth with a record of 8-6 and six in both years. 
both years you lost in the semifinals. This year, your title odds are 1,500 to 1 to make the playoffs. You're minus 350, and your win total is set at 8.5. So with that said, Mike, what are your expectations uh, for the season? Uh, bare minimum is going to be a playoff appearance, a playoff win, hopefully breakthrough into the championship round. Uh, I feel a lot better here just looking through the team last year. In a playoff game where I rolled out, Latavius Murray is my running back two, complemented by Deion Jackson and Nick Foles. Monday Night Fiasco versus the Sharks. I feel like we're very improved from that point, in which we lost a close game to eventual runner-up Bahia. Uh, so I'm definitely feeling a lot better this year. We got depth that was much needed. I think I dropped down the age a little bit of the team with some moves this offseason. Uh, kind of hedge my bets with some uh, talent separation, if you will, to singular players into multiple fantasy contributors with Etienne and Jones coming in in exchange for McCaffrey as well as uh, Lockett coming in for Diggs. Pretty similar guys numbers-wise there, hopefully. And then turning Jonathan Taylor, who's going to be missing some games, into Joe Mixon as well as Miles Sanders. I think we've kind of diversified a little bit there. So I feel like we'll be able to stay in some more games and not have to roll out glorified bums, which we did last year when it mattered. Uh, So avoiding those situations with injuries and bye weeks. Definitely feeling a lot better this year uh, with the squad I have constructed. Yeah, I... uh, I just look at your roster. Uh, we, we've made a lot of big trades this summer. Uh, our roster, you know, there's a lot of ties to my team uh, from the last couple of years on your, in your starting lineup uh, between Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon, Travis Etienne. I had Aaron Jones for about a day in the offseason. Same with Tyler Lockett, so I guess it doesn't really count. Uh, and then also Chigo Conquo, who I believe I picked up and cut or – you might have offered me a trade, uh, Chigo Conquo, for nothing, and I turned it down. Now he's uh, starting tight end on what I would say is a top two or three championship contending team this year. Um, but I, I do have a couple questions, um, most of which is uh, the QB2 spot. It seems like it's a competition here between Russ and Jimmy G. Are we, How confident are we in uh, Russ having a bounce-back year in Denver with Sean Payton or Jimmy G uh, having a healthy season, hopefully, for the first time in a while? Uh, in Las Vegas now, uh, although he, he is back with Josh McDaniels and Devonta Adams, so I, I'm a little high. I, I think Jimmy G could have a good, solid year. Uh, I'm not so I'm not as high as uh, some are on a Russ bounce back, but I just want to hear your thoughts on your QB room outside of Jalen Hurts because we know Jalen Hurts is a star, but after him, it, it, it gets a little shaky here, and that's I'd say that's probably your team's Achilles heel right now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's how I'm looking at it. Russ, definitely, I think he can do – much better than last year. Doesn't need to be a top 10 quarterback as a QB2 in this type of setup with its two quarterbacks, super flex. I just need him to be like a, a solid contributor around 15, 16, 17 points a game. Uh, as long as Jimmy G stays healthy, he's a great quarterback, three to have, roll him out in a bye week. He's definitely got the weapons. Adams, Hunter Renfro, Jacoby Myers is a solid guy for that type of quarterback with not the greatest arm talent, but the game management ability, so as long as he stays healthy, I think he will be a decent QB3. feel pretty good about Russ. It's definitely was a really bad year last year. I'm definitely not not second-guessing the decision to trade for Russ. I wish I gave up Trey Lance and got Russ in a second-rounder. I think that's looking pretty decent at current juncture. 
Uh, so I'm definitely happy I brought in Russ and definitely happy to be rolling him out as the QB2. He's got definitely good passing options. Uh, one of the worst coaching jobs in history last year, according to John Payton. Uh, so now that he's freed from that, I really do think he will improve. And like I said, he doesn't have to be star putting up 25 points a game, being a QB1 throughout the year. Uh, but just a, a high-end QB2, maybe low-end QB1 would be more than enough, I think, to fill that spot there and be a solid second quarterback for the super flex position. Yeah, so I, I think you're in one of those teams that definitely probably not going to miss the playoffs, and you're one of those teams that have a lot of work to do to challenge uh, Sheamus to actually win a championship. You probably have to have a lot of luck go your way if you were to play Sheamus in the playoffs. So let's – I looked at your schedule. Uh, I think it's a pretty easy schedule. So let's say the trade, trade deadline, you're – I don't know what the trade deadline is, but let's say you've got a winning record, 7-4, and 6-3, and three, something like that. Uh, what, you're not really no, known for – Drafting players in the draft, you like to move your picks around and acquire talent in the NFL. So I assume in 2024, your two second-round picks will be on the block. What about you don't really have much capital in 2025 to work with? Actually, you have no capital in 2025 to add current players with. What about 2026? You have a first-round pick. How long do you think you're going to keep that first-round pick for? And, yeah, take me through your strategy of not really kind of forgoing every single draft to just acquire NFL talent. First two years, can't really complain with the results, I guess. Third all-time, pretty consistent. Uh, two winning seasons. Uh, you look like you're going to have another winning season this year. So how do you uh, keep getting rid of all your draft picks and adding NFL talent? And do you think that will happen again in this trade line, trade deadline in order to try and acquire one or two pieces that get you closer to Sheamus? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think they could definitely be moved. I'm definitely very hesitant on moving the 2026 first. That's a long way out. Uh, however, those 2024 fourths, or seconds rather, I, I see those having – more value with an NFL player than they do maybe a stash guy that could be something a couple years down the line. I don't think we've seen a ton of fantasy relevancy out of the rookie draft so far. Obviously, top end guys each year, uh, but I just don't see myself being in that top one to six draft positions where I can get a a fantasy relevant guy who's going to be somewhat of a contributor in either his first or even second year uh, from the rookie draft. So, if the deadline comes and I need a depth piece or package some of my current players with those picks, would definitely be willing to make a move if the move's there for pay. Uh, it's just it's been pretty crazy looking back at the trades, how how the values of picks have shifted through the years uh, and over time. And what you can get for a first a couple years ago, you can get for like a third now. So it's definitely interesting to follow that. So just hoping to hold the 2026 first so that Maybe increases in value. I don't see it being a very high value pick. Typically, probably seven to eight, nine range in the draft. So, nothing high caliber. But if it can be moved when it has higher present value, definitely something I'd be willing to do. And yeah, just like I said, I don't see a ton of fantasy relevancy from the later rounds. So I don't mind moving on the picks, uh, especially if it's a complimentary piece to get a deal over the line with someone. Uh, I'm happy to move those picks instead of waiting and holding and hoping for some fantasy relevancy out of the rookie draft. Yeah. And I, I can, uh, I can respect that mentality. I've kind of done the same thing over the last year, I think where I just have, I'm not super high on the rookies as much as I was in year one, maybe uh, I was kind of looking at the rookie drafts and it was a pretty low hit rate for uh, these, these picks, especially after the first half around one, it gets kind of ugly. Um, and I, 
was kind of thinking around two picks, maybe not worth as much as I originally thought. Um, and I, kind of looking at the overall landscape of the league, I think me, you, uh, Bahia, and Biggie are kind of the four teams that have pushed our chips to the middle and kind of gone all in. And I can respect your franchise. Uh, I think you're known for making some huge deals over the last three, uh, two and a half years. Um, this year, you added Travis Etienne, Aaron Jones uh, at the top of your lineup. I guess of all the running, you added a couple more guys too, and Mixon, Sanders, uh, Jerry Judy. Of all the big additions you made this season, who are you most excited about? Um, and who do you think is going to make a, uh, the biggest contribution here towards your playoff push? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I really do like Etienne, young running back in a good system. Definitely a high-powered offense down there in Jacksonville who's put up already good numbers in his first full season back last year. Looked strong with Trevor Lawrence. He's only 24 years old. This will be his second full season. Uh, I expect good things from him. He's got the catching ability, so hopefully he gets up there and just scores more touchdowns. I think he'll be huge. I really do hope Judy isn't too hurt because I had high expectations for him uh, to be a star out there in Denver, and that'd be a nice kind of stack to build with Russell Wilson where they're scoring points together. Uh, something I wanted to do with Sutton last year, but didn't really pan out for both of them kind of not living up to expectations. Uh, so I'd say the big pieces that I brought in to kind of work around the core, Jalen Hurts and CDM, definitely ETN, Judy, uh, and definitely can't go wrong with like Mixon, who's been a consistent fantasy player for years now. But uh, I don't mind bringing the veterans, Aaron Jones as well. To be a good crutch for the rookie quarterback, not rookie, but Jordan Love, pretty much a rookie. Uh, so definitely, the hope we'll be feeding him. I know Mixon's got one of the best O lines career coming in here. Uh, so instead of having my talents kind of conjoined into one player, someone like Jonathan Taylor, I, I'm happy to spread that out into a few different guys who can contribute with a Joe Mixon or Miles Sanders. Uh, both could be running back ones for their teams, obviously, and both have been. Fantasy running back one, and just last even. Uh, so definitely high expectations from them. Pretty much, pretty excited about everyone I brought in. I think it'll definitely help with the overall point scoring instead of having it a little congested into a few players. It's a little more spread out. So if you just have a few good players and then kind of bums filling out the rest of the roster, which is something I've had to roll out a few times, I've kind of spread it out a little bit more. Uh, where I can roll out different different lineups on bye weeks and barring any injuries, if necessary, I can roll out different options there instead of having to kind of rely on not so good players. Uh, like I explained with that team, I had to roll out for the playoffs last year, still put out a good performance, but having guys that are actually fantasy relevant players will make a big difference and hopefully get us over that line into the title game. Just got to get to the dance to, to win the dance. So, that's the goal. Yes, my uh, last question, and I also respect uh, pushing the chips into the middle. I think uh, we need some variety in the league, and if everyone kind of has the same strategy, especially in Dynasty, then it kind of gets a little boring. But when you push the chips in the middle, it's all about what you push your chips in for. And a small chip that we pushed in for was uh, Deontay Johnson. Uh, what do you see out of Deontay Johnson? If I was employing this uh, push chips into the middle strategy, I wouldn't really be looking at Deontay Johnson to acquire uh, in return. I don't really think he's that great of a player. He doesn't really run deep, kind of drops a lot of balls. And when he catches them, they're for like seven yards. Uh, I don't even, he might have had, I don't even know if he had any touchdowns last year, maybe one or two. No. But 
you can count him on one hand if he had any. So what do you see in Deontay Johnson, and uh, why did you decide to use some chips on him? Yeah, definitely. A guy like Deontay, not necessarily going to start every week, but has a chance to really be a good guy for this team. I feel like something we didn't have last year where we can roll out someone else just on a matchup basis. If I see a good matchup, I can throw Deontay out there instead of a guy like Lockett, Kirk, Judy, that type of thing. Um, it's a guy that I can put in a rotation at the wide receiver flex spot by weeks. Uh, so I see him. I do think they'll have a better passing offense as a team. They only had 12 passing touchdowns last year. Unfortunately, nothing worse than him. Uh, so I see a full season with one quarterback this year going to be Kenny Pickett versus kind of the rotation they had last year with Trubisky at the beginning. Uh, so I feel like he's a guy, he's always there for the yards. Uh, but if he can get some scores this year, they're obviously going to be looking his way. I see him as a wide receiver one over there. I don't really think Pickens is that good. Obviously, Fryermuth and Najee Harris will also take some touches away. But I definitely see a much improved year from Deontay Johnson with a full year working with Kenny Pickett. And hopefully he gets some scores this year. That's definitely not too lethal if he's just going to be on the yard and reception side of things. So. I think I have a big bounce back. I don't think he'll get zero touchdowns again. I don't think they'll get 12 passing touchdowns again. You could see potentially almost triple that if they throw for around 30. And if he gets five, six, seven, I think he's a good complimentary guy. Definitely might be a little expensive for a second-round pick to be a guy coming off the bench. But a second-round pick uh, just sitting there is not, not going to be contributing at all. So I was happy to move that and have someone that has uh, what I see as potential for this year to be a contributor. Yeah, and I uh, I like your uh, evaluation of George Pickens there. I'm not a big fan of George Pickens myself. I think he's probably one of the more overrated uh, young players in the league right now. But one last quick question for me. There's been a ton of uh, tight end trade chatter here uh, through the first few interviews we've done. Uh, we got teams in the market to buy. We have teams trying to sell. Uh, and I know uh, – I guess I have uh, a source here telling me that George Kittle might be on the block. Um, do we have any comments on that? Is George Kittle going to be on the move? Uh, I know Biggie and C. John are both in the market for a new tight end. Um, could he possibly he- be headed Biggie's way? It kind of seems like a match made in heaven uh, from my perspective. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'd be happy to trade um, Kittle there. I definitely might want to wait a few weeks into the season. Uh, nothing really materialized. Too crazy. was in some talks with them, but quickly rejected by a fishbowl there. So. Nothing really materialized, unfortunately. So my plan is going to be to hold on to him for the first couple weeks here, probably as my starter, and kind of see how uh, Big starts progressing down there in Tennessee, see if he can be a fantasy tight end one. I definitely hope so uh, because he's got the much better age and nice speed and a little unsure on quarterback play there versus Kittle, who will have Purdy, who – he actually played really well with Purdy. A couple of high tight end two, one weeks with Brock Purdy. So someone that he'll use. Uh, so happy to hold on for him for now. Uh, but if the right trade arises uh, where someone like Biggie is actually willing to negotiate a, bit, a little instead of just reject uh, off rip, that would be definitely something I would uh, approach and see if we can get something done where it benefits both of us. He ends up with Kittle. Well, I mean, that's all we have time for. Thank you for uh, coming on and uh, sharing your uh, vision for the team. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to the season. We welcome Finn, the uh, commissioner of the league, to the podcast. Uh, Finn, 
your team consists of Lamar Jackson, Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, Brock Purdy, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray at quarterback. At running back, you have A.J. Dillon, Brees Hall, Tony Pollard, Ramondre Stevenson, J.K. Dobbins, receiver, Jamar Chase, Calvin Ridley, D.K. Metcalf, Drake London, Michael Pittman, Terry McLaurin, Mike Evans, tight end, Dallas Goddard, and David Njoku. Last year, you were in the draft, or this year, for rookies, you drafted Bryce Young and Tajay Spears. Uh, you have uh, one third-round pick in 2024 with five fourth-round picks in 2024. Then you have first-round picks again in 2025 and 2026. You're tied sixth in the all-time standings at a record of 13 and 15. Uh, 2021, you came in sixth with a record of eight and six. Lost in the first round of the playoffs to Cam, where you scored 53.86 points. In 2022, you came in eighth with a record of five and nine. However, despite uh, the poor first two seasons, I would say your title odds are plus 900 after all the moves you made in the offseason. To make the playoffs, you're minus 900, and your win total is set at 9.5. So what are your expectations for the season? Um, we got very high expectations this offseason. Coach has been flying a 53 banner in the, in the training room all offseason. The players see it on the way in. Um, Jamar can only shake his head, I think, following – that disappointing week 16 out of Jamar, he went up for like 40 and, or no, we definitely weren't playing week 16 football following that week 13 from Jamar. He put up like 40 in week 14. So he's really disappointed. He's looking to lead the wide receiver room. So the expectation score, a lot of points, beat up on the bad teams um, and make the playoffs and then score more than 53. Yeah, I'm. A, I will say I'm a big fan of your roster. I would say if I had to trade my team for anyone else's uh, current team in the league, it would probably be yours. Um, I do have one uh, question though. You have a lot of guys in the QB room, a lot of names. Drafted like four dudes this year. You picked up Brock Purdy. You picked up Kyler Murray, who'll be back maybe mid-season, maybe next year. Uh, you're known for trading players once they hit 25 years old, a la. Leo DiCaprio, um, Lamar Jackson. I know he's one of your favorite players of all time. About to be twenty-seven next year. He'll be twenty-eight. Any any talks of uh, moving on from Lamar? I know he's your boy, but um, have we have we thought of selling high at all? It's kind of your franchise's mo so far. So I just want to know if the surplus might uh, push Lamar towards uh, maybe Getty or someone who could be in the market for a Ravens stack. I think when looking towards a trade partner like Getty, you always like to kind of read into his kind of personality. And so with Getty, he'd see Lamar, and Twitter would be telling him, like, it's not a good buy window. That's some of the words that I use out there on Twitter. So for someone like Getty, I think I would look more towards giving him Kyler or Purdy, where he would look up the name on Twitter and see someone saying, Purdy is a great buy high because of three pretty useless stats. Um, and from there, he wouldn't look at what the person recommends trading for Purdy. He would just probably give me three to four first rounders. So if anything, um, probably won't be trading Lamar. I don't think any of the teams I like trading with are in a window to trade for Lamar. But maybe if someone starts hot, like Luke is desperate for a quarterback um, if he were to start hot. But I think he'd be offering me Gabe Davis and a three. So I don't think Lamar's going to be out the door. I would like to see the rookies play before I move them. Um, probably don't ever want to trade Richardson if he is remotely good. 
So we'll see. Need need Kyler to come back. It'll be nice to just keep a little QB dominance. Um, but I know myself, so I'm going to assume only three of them will be on the roster by the end of the season. <laughs> so I, I also want to talk about this trading strategy. I just don't – I'm not convinced that this can work in the long term. I think you've probably had the most trades in the league. You probably have rostered over, like, 200 different players. I don't know. Don't – don't you think at some point is it a little? I just think you're gonna keep trading these guys, trade these guys, trade these guys. I don't think you're ever gonna build like a, a real team to contend at the very top. Uh yeah, that could be a fair point. Um, I think at the end of the day, I'm not. I'm not always really trading to make the team better. I'm trading to make my day better. Um, <laughs> I really do enjoy getting on there, and I love getting that text from anyone that's. And I love sending it out, but I really do enjoy. Someone sending me a, it's 9.30. It's a Friday night. What are you doing? Get back to work. Don't you have a job? I, I love getting those. Um, that's, how I know I'm, that's how I know I'm doing the right thing, keeping my fantasy league, my pride and joy healthy and in a good state. And if I have to make the trade market ridiculous, then I will. Um, and I think I do. I think I've really helped push that alongside, I think, I think you played a good role there, although you kind of ruined it with your pick thing. But I think Miskel, Mike, um, and then Getty really, really have driven the trade market in this league. I think it, it's it's pretty special what we've put together. So I'm not sure I'm building a contender, but I'm definitely building a fun team. And I absolutely adore clicking the acceptor, seeing someone accepted my trade. So. Never think too hard about that when I make a trade. I know the guy won't make it more than a week on my team usually. Yeah, I can uh, I can relate to that quote a little bit, trading to make your day better. I think I fell into that trap this offseason for sure. I went to a concert that CMC was at, and the next day I traded for CMC because I just wanted to see that button turn green, and I wanted to see CMC in my lineup, even if it was a bit of an overpay. So I can respect that uh, When at the end of the day. I think it uh, makes for – Good league chatter, healthy league, some good trades, some good blockbusters, which you seem to be a part of every year. Um, which to bring me to the next point, you have you've, you have no draft picks really this season, although you do have a fourth-round stack you're building. It seems like you have every pick in the fourth round, which is going to be interesting considering PJ has every first-round pick, and I have every fifth-round pick. So uh, that should make for a fun draft day if we all hold on to those picks. Um, but uh, do you see yourself, any, any big-name stars out there that you're going to be looking to acquire – uh, anyone at the top of your short list for uh, trade acquisition, maybe swing those 25 and 26 picks or sell high on a running back. I know you've been uh, looking to deal Ramondre and Tony this offseason a little bit. I've gotten some offers in my inbox. So, um, yeah, anyone anyone out there you're looking to acquire? Yeah, I think I've definitely settled into just keeping Tony on the team just because I don't think anyone's really offering anything special for Tony. Um, I think he's going to bring a lot this season before the Cowboys inevitably trade or draft a good rookie running back. So keeping Tony, but would love to trade Ramondre at any point. And I don't necessarily have any specific targets. Um, whoever anyone is willing to trade is usually the target. I, I've been sending out a lot of offers to Cam for Jalen Waddle to absolutely deaf ears. Um, yeah, he has not been enjoying those. Olave, not a single counter. Um, Wilson haven't received a counter. So 
it's really the the well's dry, so I'm pretty much my trade targets are going to be whoever sucks week one. Um, I'm just going to trade for all of those guys, and maybe they'll bounce back. That's kind of my favorite thing to do. It's a strategy I've brought with me since from when I was probably picked that one up when I was like 13. <laughs> I want to also talk more about your uh, trade negotiations with different owners in the league. A lot of people in the pod have come on and said they've you know been negotiating with Biggie's franchise, and they'll agree a deal with Biggie, but then Bulb comes in and kind of negates the deal. So what? Talk a little bit about Bulb. Not not a lot of people are finding a lot of commonality, uh, common ground with their player valuations with with uh, Fish Bulb. So talk about. I'm sure you've had multiple different uh, trade negotiations with Biggie and Bulb, uh, but focus more on Bulb. What he kind of brings to uh, trade negotiations into the league and as a whole. Um. Yeah, I, I do wish both of them were each had their own team because I think especially with Bulb, we don't agree on player evaluation, but in the greatest way possible. Because I will forget I have a player on my team, and then I'll be texting Bulb, and he will be like, oh, can we get Darius Slayton? We think he's going to have a huge year. And I'm like, yeah, what were you thinking? And he's like, maybe like you're a second. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'll think about it. And then, yeah, sometimes Biggie strikes that down or vice versa. But, yeah, I do do love their commitment to their guys. Um, It makes them fun to trade with. But it's really hard to actually close out a deal. A lot of, lot of text agreements and then no, no accepts in the offer or in the app. So that's always disappointing. But I do love having Bulb around. Him and Shep would really be battling out for that 10th spot if one were to ever, ever open up. Yeah, and I'll, uh, I got to add a bold prediction just looking at your roster. I don't even know if he was mentioned in the QB rundown of about 15 guys, but – you have Baker Mayfield on your team, and you just traded oh. for Mike Evans. Uh, so I, I'm going to make a prediction here, and you can tell me if I'm wrong or not, but if uh, Baker and Mike connect on a deep touchdown in week one, how quick are we spamming the entire league with a trade offer, and how quick are they going to end up on Biggie Bulb's team? Uh, and they're going to tell us that it's going to put them over the top as they give you three first-round picks for the Baker-Mike Evans duo uh, to bring Mike Evans back home to Biggie. Uh, I just want to hear your thoughts on that. I didn't realize you had Baker on your team. What are the odds Baker cracks the starting lineup this year? Uh, do we think he's going to be a key contributor? Um, I think if Baker's completion percentage in week one ever goes above 50, uh, my trade offers will also be at 50. Um, and they'll all be to Biggie or to Luke. Um, and, yeah, I, I'll literally be looking to get anything. Um Knowing, I mean, seeing Cam Newton for a second with about three weeks to go in his career really has me excited for the QB room I have. And I would say their QB room's fairly fragile. It's actually pretty solid. But, yeah, hopefully a Mike Evans explosion and Bulb thinks he looks like he's 22 again. Um, Yeah, I I do think I'll be throwing up a lot of offers. I think – I feel like I had a really slow week one last year and it – wasn't able to really capitalize on anything in terms of trade. So I'm hoping this year I explode and half the roster is gone by the end of the Sunday. Yeah. And uh, as Lee commish, I also have a question for you on the uh, administrative side here. Uh, do we have any league members? Let's get, I guess, spicy here. Do we have any league members that are on the hot seat? Anybody who hasn't responded to any of your trade offers in months that, might be on their way out of the league or might be headed for uh, co-ownership uh, in the way that, you know, Getty kind of 
ran his franchise into a situation where you had to bring somebody in, uh, league mandated co-owner. Could we see that happen to any other franchises? Uh, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus here, but given the current state of the team, I think Camario's come, comes to mind for me. Uh, you mentioned that he hasn't responded to a trade offer in months and the, the, the lineup is not looking like it once did back in the days when he was a juggernaut. So uh, is anyone, anyone on the hot seat right now? Yeah, for Camarios, he um he actually has a lot of self-accountability. I received a couple of texts from him the other day. We're always chatting up Dynasty. I think he's a bit scared to interact with some of the others in the group after seeing the abuse that Getty has been put through after destroying his team. And I think Cam understands the place his team is at. Um, it wouldn't like to face a Monday morning scale, a Friday night PJ. I don't think that's up Cam's alley. But he did text me, and he said – and he was saying – um, completely unprovoked, but it was, uh, I, I know it's my first dynasty and I knew nothing and he misvalued trades and destroyed his teams, but of his four fantasy leagues, dynasty is always top dog. He said it is so awesome. Love that. So, Love to hear that. That's so fantastic. he's all in. Um, it always fun. It's always fun to add a group chat gremlin, um, and, or to let one of them shine like lead bulb. Let Bob come into his own with his own team. I think Shep would probably probably get there first, though. Um, but I don't think I ever want to leave Getty unattended with his own team again. So if Shep were to take over his own team, I think that leaves the door wide open for more. Another co-owner, which is always great to have another person in the league. Um, and not sure what your thoughts would be and who you guys prefer. I love hearing suggestions from the group, but Nevin, Nevin could easily help Getty. Not sure he'd be able to overcome any smally decision making. That's something I'm really proud of Shep for. Um, I never, I never thought I'd ever see someone do that. So that's that's been big for the league. We already have enough teams completely destroying their roster. It's nice to see Smalley getting back to just keeping it even. Yeah, and I, I, I shouldn't have roasted Cam like that. Me and Cam made one of the biggest blockbusters in league history just like two months ago. So uh, Cam, Cam has been a great, great member of this league. He's, he's had his ups and his downs as a team, but overall he's not afraid to make a blockbuster trade, which you love to see out of Cam. Um, but, yeah, I guess in terms of teams adding a corner, the, co- the corner really changes things. It spices things up a little bit, gets some new uh, trade ideas, gets some new chatter going in the group chat. Uh, so, yeah, I, I love to hear that from the commission. I, I have one more uh, commissioner question. Uh, there's been a lot of controversy ever since the championship game last season where it was Josh Allen versus Joe Burrow for the title and the game got canceled due to a medical emergency. Uh, we have one league member who thinks that he won the title and probably nine league members that uh, think it was a no decision um, because they have respect for the game. I guess I want your – I want a definitive answer from the commish here. What happened that night and uh, what's the ruling uh, on who won the title that uh, last season? Yeah, usually um, for that mentioned league member, um, he slash she can be a bit delusional at times. (laughs) So don't need to rile up anything further. I, I don't necessarily want to touch on this subject without the presence of a lawyer or anything, but. Yeah, that league member definitely caused a bit of commotion. I've definitely learned to just let it, um, let it stew like he does to my trade offers. So (laughs) 
that that's really all I have to say about that. I'll leave it. It's up to the fans to decide. I think that championship's going to go down as more so a debate um, about who's the goat and everything, not necessarily a definitive winner. So, yeah, I'm probably with the nine out of the ten members that it is just a toss-up champion, and we have no reigning champion at the moment. Yeah, I can respect that answer. Thank you, Kamish. Yeah, uh, Commissioner, I want to thank you for uh, taking the time to come on tonight. I will say for the uh, the Friday night PJ comment, I would I don't chime in Friday night unless Biggie or Fishbulb start at first. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I'm not I'm not that bored. Uh, and then yeah, <laughs> thanks for uh, running the league. I think we've had a great league with a lot of uh, we've got a great great group chat going, a lot of participation. Even some of the teams that have got nothing to play for are, are uh, definitely entertained throughout the year. So I think you've done a great job running this league, and I. Uh, Look forward to participating uh, in it for years to come. Thank you for having me on, gentlemen. Um, and thank you for hosting our media week. I'm very interested in listening back to this one. I heard some interesting comments from Getty. I don't think any of them were true, unless he said something good about me. But, yeah, thanks for having me. And we welcome uh, Bahia to the uh, Media Day podcast. Uh, Bahia's roster uh, consists of at quarterback Joe Burrow, Justin Fields, Ryan Tannehill, running back Austin Eckler, Saquon Barkley, Isaiah Pacheco, Dalvin Cook, uh, running back, uh, wide receivers, sorry, Devonta Adams, Amon Ross St. Brown, DJ Moore, Chris Godwin, Cortland Sutton, DeAndre Hopkins, Sky Moore, DJ Chark, Juju Smith-Schuster, as tight end, Darren Waller, and Evan Ingram. Last year in the draft, you picked up Jalen Hyatt and Keishon Booty. 2024, you have one second-round pick and three third-round picks. Then you have first-round picks again in 2025 and 2026. You're tied first in the all-time standings at 18 and 10. Uh, in 2021, you finished in eighth at six and eight and missed the playoffs. Yeah, but last year, you came in second with a 12 and two record. You reached the championship against Sheamus. Uh, that contest we'll talk about in a few minutes. And then this year, your title odds are plus 650, uh, second favorite, uh, only behind Sheamus. To make the playoffs, you're minus 1,000, and your win total is set at 10.5. So, with that being said, what are your uh, expectations for the season? Uh, I think um, it's going to be very. The aim is to try to have a similar season from last year, but I think it might be hard. Uh, the team's a bit top-heavy, so one injury to one of those main guys could uh, be very impactful in a bad way. But um, if they do stay healthy, I, I don't see why the team can't replicate what was done last year. But, you know, all the main guys, Joe Burrow, Eckler, Saquon, Devontae, all had really good years um, and stayed. And play and play pretty much every game, so that might not happen again. Um, if it does happen, then I don't see why we we can definitely um, finish top two again in the regular season and then have a good run of the playoffs as well. Yeah, I guess uh, you're one of the few teams that's pushed all your chips in the middle, so I can respect that. Um, last year it was pretty much me and you wire to wire as the only two teams at the top. Uh, we met in the championship game, which Ended in controversy as it was Joe Burrow versus Josh Allen pretty much, and the game ended in, after one drive uh, due to medical emergency. Uh, I will say we did have the commish on earlier who made an official ruling that you're probably not going to like, but I guess you have any – we'll get it out of the way right at the start. Do you have any lingering uh, thoughts or comments that you want to get out of the way for about week 17 um, that, uh, yeah, you want to share with the rest of the league here? Yeah, I mean, we we split the obviously we split the money because um, we agreed to it. Uh, but I mean, 
I think it's I was I was ahead before the, the matchup started. I was ahead during the matchup until they called the game. And on top of that, when the two teams played in the playoffs, which was the fix that we uh, discussed, but we didn't, I never got came to a conclusion. Joe Burrow did all score Josh Allen. So if there uh, is a champion, <laughs> that would be that would be uh, my team, the way I see it. But um, yeah, I mean, we'll still we'll still take the title or the moral title, if however the commissioner wants to put it. But um, yeah, that's that's what I think about how last season ended. Yeah, we can leave it at that. We don't need to talk in circles on the uh, last uh, end of last season. We can move forward to this year. Um, I'm, I think you have a great roster still. I think you have a lot of talent. I I want to hear you uh, talk about why you swung a big trade for Justin Fields to kind of get a bear stack going. Um, Justin Fields obviously was uh, was once kind of my franchise player, and then it kind of worked out where. He kind of faded out of that spot and was replaced by um, some guys that I think are probably more safe players long term. So why would you uh, swing the big trade for Justin Fields? I know you were a big Tua fan before, and now Tua's gone. Uh, and traded him pretty much, I think. Or I guess you threw Waddle in there, too, uh, to get, get rid of Tua and get Fields in the squad. Uh, have you always been high on Fields, or um, – I guess, what do we expect from Fields moving forward? Do we think this stack is going to light the world on fire, kind of like Jalen Hurts and uh, Josh Allen in years prior? I don't know if it, it, it reached out that, those levels. It's just that the fact was basically that you couldn't trust Tua to play a whole season or even majority of a season. You know, I, I had to play the championship with, um, I think it was Teddy Bridgewater to play in the championship for me. And the other option was Jared Stidham. Because I, I didn't have really uh, like backup quarterbacks as well, so just trying to get someone that's like more trustworthy and that can that has shown that he has like the tools, not necessarily to be like I don't I don't really care if he's like becomes a top ten quarterback in real life, but in fantasy because of his running ability, um, he was like I think he was seventh or sixth last year, so if he learns how to throw better, then he can be even better than that and. Joe Burrow with him um, in the long term could be very good. Better than having to learn, having to worry if he's going to retire like he was about to in the offseason. So. Yeah, so I want to ask about owning a player like Tua. After uh, every week, it just seemed like everyone in the group message was going after Tua, Tua, Tua. And you're kind of there trying to defend your uh, franchise quarterback. So what was like that process like where you kind of had to roll out Tua every single week? Did you actually think he was a good player, or were you kind of like agreeing with the group chat when he was throwing interceptions or taking sacks and stuff? Like uh, that? I mean, he had, he had flashes like um, last last season, um, the season before he was he was really um, suspect, to say the least. But last season he had some flashes, but that's probably mostly because of the receivers he had, um, which made everything easier. Um, but you know, when when things got a little bit harder, it always seemed like. He couldn't cut it pretty much, um, or he made some did something stupid, um, and he showed himself very much capable of like having like games with three or four turnovers, which are a lot of points off the board, um, fantasy wise. So I didn't trust him one hundred percent, but that's what I had um, at that point. And if I if I like if I put him down, 
would never I would never be able to get him off my hands if I was pushing the public opinion of him down, you know. Because then everyone would be low on him. No one defending him. Everyone would be low on him. And then if I ever tried to trade him, it would be for nothing, pretty much. Yeah, and on that note of the uh, trying to trade somebody, uh, a lot of rumors going around about uh, Darren Waller. And then along with that, it feels like I get an alert every five days or so this summer that DeAndre Hopkins has been placed on the trade block. Uh, but he's yet to go anywhere. So... I'm curious, when do we think a trade is going to happen? When do we think we're going to uh, dump these uh, bloated contracts to these older vets uh, and maybe try to get younger, get some draft picks back, uh, and kind of move on to some younger guys that we have on the squad here? Um, I know that Waller especially, it seems like Biggie Bulb has been uh, throwing some offers out recently. Is there any – any how, how close are we to a trade, I guess, for getting rid of Waller and giving Biggie Bulb the uh, giant stack? I'm really paying attention to that right now before the season starts. Uh, I'm hoping that he has a good or like a, a big game week one or a big game week two or both or just so you know like solid performances like ten plus points both weeks, and then he can get a little bit more for you know for him. Not that he's not going to have a good season, but he's going to have a lot of, a lot left in the tank. And I have uh, Evan Ingram as well, so wouldn't necessarily need him. And then I would be hoping to trade him. And get like not other tight ends, but like players from other positions. Um, uh, picks, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe some picks, but uh, Biggie Bull doesn't have a lot of picks, so I'm not sure how that would work out. Wasn't really wanting to do 2026 um, picks at this point, but um, and the same with, with Hopkins. Like, if he has a big week one, big week two, uh, be able to trade him for a little bit, some, something, some value, you know, in the offseason. It's too much. Obviously, there's a risk that they both do horribly and then I get nothing, but I feel like that's less likely than them having one or two good games and being able to trade it for a good value. Yeah, so on the, uh, the trade topic, uh, last year you acquired DeAndre Hawkins at the trade deadline for C. Jones' first-round pick, who he uh, turned into – or no, he traded to C. John. Or what, C. John got your first-round pick for DeAndre Hawkins – which was the ninth overall pick in the draft, which C. John turned into Zay Flowers. Uh, on Twitter, he looks great. I don't know if he'll be a good player or not. So uh, do you have any regrets on, on that deal? And then how do you prevent that from happening again? Like what types of players are you going to be trying to – what's the profile player you're going to be looking at at the trade deadline this year with your uh, current draft capital? Yeah, I mean, like uh, last year was just a matter of, you know, my team was a little bit um, – it, it, it didn't have that much depth. Um, going to the end of the season, especially, like, in the flex position. So, I was trying to bring, bring in, like, I brought in Dalvin Cook and Hopkins to try, you know, fill out the squad. Um, but it ended up – turn out didn't turn out very well. He didn't even play um, in the championship. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely a miss. Um, but, yeah, I probably won't be going for, like, 30-year-olds anymore. Um but definitely, we'll be trying to make some moves depending on how the team is going. Uh, like I said, in terms of health and all that, uh, close to the trade deadline. But not necessarily throwing out first-rounders for older players like that. There's a lot of the risk associated with it. But I saw an opening last year, and I I took took a risk. It didn't really work. I mean, we did get to the final, had a controversial ending, whatever. But in terms of the player itself, he didn't add much. So... 
Yeah, that's pretty much all I got. I don't know if you have any uh, any more questions, PJ. No, I don't have anything else. You have uh, any other final comments that you want the league or the audience to know? Uh, yes. Yeah, or your favorite to know before the uh, the season begins. My prediction for the season is that Biggie will miss the playoffs and Green Max will make the playoffs over Biggie. So before we uh, end on that note, do you think Biggie missing the playoffs? Do you think it has more to do with uh, Biggie or a fishbowl? I think a lot of league owners questioning Fishbowl's role in that organization and his inability to uh, improve the team via the trade market as well? Uh, I don't know. I think they, they, their team is just primed to collapse. You know, like, they have their main guys. I mean, they had Nick Chubb, a really good player. Um, but, like, Derrick Henry is bound for a couple of injuries due to age and the amount of times he runs the ball and all that. And his wide receivers are very uh, pretty old, and you know, another uh, another chance of like increased injury risk, and his bench is not good at all. So uh, I'm not sure who's making the decision. It seems like it's mostly Biggie um, or them together, but that's definitely questionable roster construction and planning. I think he'll come back to bite them this year. All right, I think that's all we got. Uh, Thank you for uh, joining the uh, media day sessions, and best of luck this year. All right, thank you.